somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, I had quite the weekend starting on Friday. Um, I uh, got a little bit sick on Friday. I was feeling back pain all last week. And um, next thing you know, I'm thinking I have this, you know, a lot of people listen to the show know I, I had a spine, a real major spine situation. And the lead up to the spinal infection was this severe, unbelievable pain in my back. And uh, I thought for sure it was a kidney stone or something, but I had never had a kidney stone problem. And uh, it turned out it was a spinal infection that nobody could really diagnose properly um, at, at some until some point, until I helped them out. But um, in any case, this past Friday, same kind of pain, but maybe not as bad. Turns out, I go and I talk to my doctor, and he says, yeah, I go to the ER. I go to the ER. They got me a four millimeter, they see four millimeter kidney stone, probably from all the antibiotics I was taking uh, to get over the back uh, infection, right? The spinal surgery and all that. So who knows? But at this point, um, I was laid up in the hospital Saturday into Sunday because they were also treating it like it could be a back issue. It, it turned out it was a routine, uh, you know, uh, kidney stone. And one of the things I took away from that, though, because you always find analysis in just about everything. You could always find like a diamond in a rough or a little gem somewhere. And the thought ran through my head because every one of my nurses, as sweet as they could be and as good as they were and as effective as they were, they were all from Africa. There were these all, all these women from Africa, West Africa, Sergio Leone, you name it, a different country in Africa, each one of them. And I couldn't get over that. 
And usually the women in charge were these white Americans. They were well, you know, well educated and knew a lot about a lot of doc, a lot of medicine. But then these African nurses, they only knew how to like draw blood, change bags, and do the basics. And I thought about it from you know a dollars and cents perspective and an economic perspective. And it's clear to me that what the hospitals are doing is getting all of those, getting all of those uh, people to come in and uh, work on the cheap, and basically cheapen up nursing. You know, getting a bunch of nurses that know how to draw blood, but don't necessarily know how to look in your eyes and see that something might be ailing you. Sort of like the way they're doing it in the airlines. They'll get people that can't speak English or they're from another country to change the tire, to, to put air in the tire, or to change the hydraulic fluid, or uh, wave a couple of batons around to navigate planes in the freezing cold. But uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person's going to be look, able to look at a plane and decipher whether or not that plane's healthy or whether or not, um, you know, th- that type of thing. Whether, whether If they see some something out of whack, are they going to know the difference? Or are they only going to know that remedial task that they're paid to do? Wave a baton, change a hydraulic, put some fuel in, uh, lighten the air in the tires, or increase the air in the tires. If that's all they're trained to do, they're not going to be able to look at a plane and see the overall health of a plane. They don't have that experience. They don't have that education. And the same thing with nursing. If a if a uh, person is lying there with critical symptoms written all over their face, but the person's only there to read a barcode, scan it, and draw blood, or take a pulse rate, or a blood pressure test, is that really good medicine? And so I think that the world that we're living in, this globalist world that we're living in, is something that we ought to be really afraid of. I think in this election season, we need to figure out, number one, who is rigging our elections? And we know it's the globalists. Who is financing it? Who is leveraging these organizations? Who are the organizations that are getting involved with this rigging. And I think in this, because we haven't straightened out the laws and we haven't gotten justice and we haven't gotten proper litigation because the judges are cowardly and the judges are rigged and the judges are Soros protégés, the DAs are Soros-backed, where it counts, like in Fulton County and in Milwaukee and in, in places in Detroit, Michigan and in Philadelphia, where there are these huge minority populations where these people have sold out for the money and like the gravy train that's coming. All they have to do is join these SEIU groups or these Catholic Charities groups or, or you name it. And they're going to get funded by the right organizations who are funding the, who are being funded by the globalists. They know where to get the money. But they don't know where the money's coming from. So the people that are actually being duped and just being used as mules 
really don't know that they're actually selling out America and working for a European globalist in Brussels. They don't know that. They're not that smart. All, but, but what they are doing is carrying the water. It's almost like a, hiring a child and saying, giving them a, uh, you know, a uh, Disneyland backpack and packing it full of drugs, fentanyl, and saying, don't look in this backpack, put a lock on it. Child couldn't get into it if he tried. And say, we want you to take this Disney World backpack to Disney. Take it to Florida from uh, Texas. Find your way here. You'll meet a man. He's a nice man. He's your Uncle Joey. Take him over there, and he's going to help you. And you're going to get a lot of money and help your family. Next thing you know, this kid, 12 years old, is taking a bag of fentanyl across country, thinking he's doing right for his family, thinking he's in touch with people that are his friend. He's too young to know. Certainly too young to be actually deciding whether he should take puberty blockers or not. But people of that same age are being uh, allowed to make those choices as well. People of that same age, 12 and up, are being uh, uh, laws are being pushed to allow them to be prostitutes or old enough for pedophilia or what they call it, minor attractive persons. See, we're dealing with a whole bunch of things that are, you know, just like the Democrats want 16-year-olds to be able to vote. But they're not allowed to uh, skip school. They're not allowed, you know, they're they're not allowed to, they don't have to pay the rent. (laughs) You know, all these other things, it doesn't make any sense. The Democrats never make sense. And, you know, when you're going to start to see the border close up and when you start to see blacks being treated like Trump is when blacks for Trump come out to play and say, you know what? Trump is looking blacker than me right now. I've never seen a man lynched like Donald Trump is being lynched by a very obviously corrupt DOJ. And no one has to tell the black man how corrupt law enforcement is. So the Democrats have demonized and weaponized and created the Frankenstein of a of a minority class to think that all police are racist and all law enforcement is bad. But then guess who's the biggest victim of indiscriminate blind uh, uh, attack from the government? Trump. And I don't think they're calculating properly how black people are interpreting. Trump being a martyr and what that means to them. I think you're going to have Charlemagne the God come out one day, you know, this big talk show host who basically had the nerve to not say crap when Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. The biggest racist on the planet is Joe Biden. And if they would start to listen, they would start to learn that Joe Biden is the problem, not the solution. And that Trump was the solution all along. And once they feel like they'll dupe, they'll never go back. There ain't an algorithm in the world, folks. There ain't an algorithm in the world that can fix that algorithm once the blacks and the Hispanics who are flooding our our country in the records of millions start to to decide that they want to vote for Trump instead of allow their ballot to be sent off somewhere in some no-man's land 
to be picked up by a Democrat harvester who's being paid by a, a, an NGO that's being financed by a, a outside-of-the-country uh, globalist foundation. And so one of the things that the Republicans have to do is get, get in control of the polling to show what the true numbers are in favor of Trump over Biden. That's number one. Because then they can't get away with as much election rigging if they have true independent pollsters suggesting that Trump is 20 points ahead. They can't then show up on election night and say, wow, that is, that, 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 that's a, um, that poll must have been flawed. It's like, no, the poll wasn't flawed. Fraud, fraud happened. It has to be. So, number one, you got to get in control of the polling. Because I think the polling is all about skewing. It's a psyop skewing behavior. So number one, you got to get a hold ahead of who controls the polling. And then you got to get your own army organized to harvest like like there's no tomorrow. To do the ballot harvesting that the Democrats are doing. So somehow along the way, someone's got to find the next... Conservative Zuckerberg that's anti-globalist. I don't think there are any billionaires that are anti-globalist, though. Otherwise, they wouldn't be billionaires. There's not a billionaire alive that's a billionaire and not a globalist. And then the only name that comes to mind is Elon Musk. Elon Musk tweeted, retweeted Trump's first tweet when he tweeted his prison shot and Elon Musk said next level and retweeted it. That's next level. So you got to think that maybe Elon Musk does appreciate and understand what Trump is about. But you just don't know for sure because Elon Musk is in, hated Trump when he pulled out of the Paris Agreement which helped China and was bad for America, but I think it was essential to saving Tesla because it was all about the climate thing and electricity, electric vehicles. And Elon Musk seems to think that it would take very little to energize the entire country through renewable energy. And he also believes, unlike the globalists, that population decline is the biggest existential threat, not population. I mean, I'm sorry, population increase. I mean, the decline of population is an existential threat, where the globalists think depopulation is is essential. Um, Elon Musk thinks that a growing population is is essential. Got that all. I, I mangled that, but you get it. So, yeah, I was at the hospital all weekend. That's why I had the hiccups all day yesterday because my or all there's a lot of crap going on. And uh, I, I actually tried to do a show and I didn't even hit the button right. And kind of re- reminiscent of the time I came back from spine surgery after a month and uh, didn't hit the button, you know, then too. But I wrote this down. I wrote this, I texted this to, uh, to Leonora from my hospital bed. 
because I kept on seeing these nurses coming in from these other countries, all of them from Africa. And I said, the motive behind white privilege. Now, this is where you get white. This is an interesting twist. I, I had this laying in a bed on drugs, you know, in a hospital bed. White privilege. Where do you think that comes from? Think about it. That's a design for equity. Where do you think that comes from? That's a free pass for affirmative action, right? Quota-based systems. Equity. Because, as Kamala Harris would put it, we're all not born equal. Some people have skin color issues. Some people have socioeconomic problems. And you know what? Those things are never going to change. There are always going to be people born with a different color. And there are always going to be people born in a different socioeconomic scheme, in a different landscape. Now, they want you all born in one building, a 15-minute city, and they want you all born with the same paycheck, with this, like in China. That's the way they behave. But I said, where does white privilege come from? Because surely about 30, 40 years ago, there wasn't all these Africans, nurses. They were all, I remember 20 years, 30 years ago. I used to date some of them. You know, these nurses. They would go to nursing school, nursing school and then they'd become a nurse. And there were all these cute nurses running around. Remember General Hospital or no, it was uh, ER? Remember that? All acute. That was reflective of the hospitals of our time back then. Where the doctors would flirt with the nurses and, you know, so on and so forth. But And, and still it's sort of like a fraternity in these hospitals. They protect their own. You can tell. But it's the game has changed quite significantly. And I think... Any nurse can uh, would probably tell me that who wants to call in. And uh, the um, I said the thought here's a thought, and I wrote it down as a thought as a text. I texted Leonora. The motive behind white privilege in quotes white privilege that we see in academics and especially in nursing where practically all of my nurses were African, is preemptive label that help, preemptive label, uh, is a preemptive label, meaning white privilege is a preemptive label that helps globalists be forgiven for costing all the white people their jobs without pushback. So there's a lot of white nurses, white nurse females, white women, that aren't able to get a nursing job because it's being relegated to some cheaper labor, some specialized mechanic that basically does blood, the remedial stuff, you know, like blood draws and, and bag changes and, uh, you know, and, and some of the cleanup stuff, you know, the undesirable jobs, just like the people that come through the open border are working in the meatpacking plants and working the midnight shift at some boxing company or working the uh, vineyards over at Nancy Pelosi's vineyard or or picking the cotton fields or whatever it is. Working the lift and Uber drivers. 
uh, working that dishwasher in the basement of a restaurant from morning till night, May, changing the sheets and linens and washing them in a hotel in hospitality. <clears throat> All over our country, these people coming through these open borders don't know what's in store for them, but it's not great. And, you know, I can't help, though, but think that the only reason why they're doing it is because these people are willing to work for half the price. And like we heard from one of these um, election fraud people that where they said these illegals are getting motor voter treated like motor voter. They're getting an ID. They're getting a phone. They're getting a court date. And they do all that for a reason. It's not because they'll ever show up to court. It's to get them an ID so that they can actually be in a database for the motor voter scheme that gets them a registration, that gets them a ballot on uh, election day, and then they start up a pandemic. They mail your ballots out, every one of them. See, mass mail ballots is part of the scheme. They can't pull this off unless it's a written law that all ballots will be mailed out to you. And then next thing you know, you have 10,000 ballots showing up at one address. And that's how they do it. They can't win the election if they don't get that. If we were to stop mail-in balloting as as the norm, we would probably be able to curb election rigging right there. And if we were to require a 70% signature verification threshold, we would be able to correct that problem. But we can't we can't get past those two hurdles. Well, we got a lot of uh show ahead of it. We, uh, we're talking about we're going to be talking a lot about the Hunter Biden crime game that's going on. There's two major stories that are going on. Number one, Joe Biden sent 5,400 emails to Hunter under three different aliases. We're going to get to the bottom of that a little bit. And Jack Smith and his team met with uh, Biden's chief, deputy chief of staff on many occasions in the lead up to Mar-a-Lago. Then you have these liberal justices scheduling events just before Super Tuesday and just before uh, Election Day, you know. Um, All these things are just completely trying to rig the Republican primaries and the general election. And uh, Trump just tried to get the March 4th, which March 5th is Super Tuesday, tried to get the March 4th date changed because he's going to have to be out campaigning. And guess what? They said no. So he's going to have an appeal on that. But Trump's campaigning is only one aspect of it. You know, and again, black people are looking at all this and they're saying enough. And I I hope this blows up. I hope it blows up in their faces and that black people see Trump for what he truly is and see Biden for what he truly is. And I hope that they vote with their hearts and minds and do the right thing and there isn't an algorithm that could beat that if trump gets the majority of the black vote as a result of this his martyrous status and and the corrupt justice system that the black people claim to hate um i think you're going to have a real problem 
with even getting enough fake votes. And the other thing I would say is keep an eye in this election season on the number of registration increases and compare that with the population increase. Because like, for example, how in the world is the registrations in California increasing while at the same time the population is decreasing? Square that with me. Can you? That doesn't make any sense. How does the registrations to vote go up when the population goes down in terms of citizenships? And that gets back to that question about why did the Democrats push so hard for the 2020 census to not have the question, are you a citizen as a checkbox? Are you a U.S. citizen? as a checkbox on the census question. They were pushing the argument that the census is about services provided to the numbers of people not and disregarding uh, and not, not and irrespective of whether or not that person who needs services is a citizen or not. Because there's got to be enough water for everybody, whether you're a, sister, a citizen or not, was their argument. <clears throat> but the true argument, the true benefit to them was number of representatives that they get for the state by trumping up the population uh, uh, by having a whole bunch of non-citizens register. And they were also collecting more ballots that way through motor voter schemes. And that's how they were doing it. That's how they've been allowing. That's how they've been getting Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell and and uh, Ted Lee and and uh, Diane Feinstein who doesn't even know her name at this point and uh, all these uh, you know and, and even Gavin Newsom getting all of these radical monsters reelected. That's why you have San Francisco and L.A. L.A. Uh, L.A. Uh, has a store that was just complete. I think it was a Walmart or something. People were just standing there watching the whole store be looted in L.A. And uh, and there's nothing they could do about it. It was all by black people in the name of reparations. Because Congress can't pay, uh, pass it, we're going to pass it on our own. And Soros DAs are not going to do anything about it. But if a white person were to do that, they'd be thrown in jail for the week. Lose, lose their job and be embarrassed by their community. They'd be shamed. But these other people wearing masks with a, a different skin color get away with it. It just doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely absurd that we live in a country like the United States, a first world country that's quickly, as quick as I could ever imagine, becoming a third world banana republic like Venezuela. And we will be that in short order. And who wants to live here at that point? You know, it's not worth it. It's not even worth it. You may as well start looking elsewhere to live. And you're always going to find globalism because globalism is everywhere unless you live in a hut. There's not enough wealth for the globalists to thrive there. They're only going where the money is. And right now, the cash cow that's still left in the world 
is that's available to take is the U.S. and the U.K. and Germany, and they're going after France, but and Italy, but France and Italy are not interested. But Germany, they're woke as hell. U.K. is gone, and the United States is following the U.K. and Canada is next. And that's really what it's about. It's about the money. It's about where they could siphon off wealth. Hawaii's another frontier. But do you think China would ever let this happen in their country? Do you think Korea would allow it to happen in theirs? No. Think about it. It's not happening anywhere but in the West. Meanwhile, you have BRICS that's just building up. They added six new countries to their list. BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa were the founding countries. And they're over 20-something countries now. They got a bigger GDP than G7. They have more serious governments than G7. They're not woke like G7. And they're not innovative but they're high on manufacturing. And heavy manufacturing means that the middle class is the thriving strength and backbone of their countries. And what that means is you have family, you have religion, you have um, uh, civil liberties, you have the strength of the people more than you do in G7 countries right now, which is only run by the uber-rich controlling the uber-poor, the extreme poor, and crushing the middle class into poverty with inflation, with regulation, and with all these scamdemics and climate hoaxes. And they're going to get you next with social credit scores, and central bank data currency, digital currencies. And they're wooing you in through their social media tools that they, the government, and the globalists control. And that's what's happening. All right, we got to get started on a lot of content here that I want to get to. I did a lot more talking there than, than I thought I was. But I'm back from the hospital and and uh, I'm okay. Uh, kidney stone is no walk in the park. It was no pain, it was no picnic. Kidney stone was no picnic. But I will say this: it was a walk in the park to that spine uh, infection that led to spinal de- collapse that I had to deal with in 2021. It was a walk in the park. Anybody who's ever had um, a uh, kidney stone. Multiply that times 10, and that's when you get to a spinal infection that's collapsing and crushing your bones and your spine. And there's no escaping the pain. Like pain meds don't work for a pain like that. And it lasts for months. And that's what I was going through in 2021. But uh, it's nice to be able to compare the two now. I guess I'm grateful for that, right? All right. Trump writes this. 
This is sad. It's a damn shame, right? Vote Trump 2024 to take it back. He says this. I have the Stay Sore Senior PGA Championship in Aberdeen, Scotland on my great course and I can't go. I have to stay around and fight off the crazed radical left lunatics, communists, Marxists, and fascists. I wouldn't want to be in Europe and watch this country destroying scum work their disgusting and illegal magic on unsuspecting Republican leaders who just don't think it is appropriate to fight fire with fire. But we will win and we will make America great again. You know, there's no uh, more classic Republican than Nikki Haley. I think she's such a dirtbag. I can't stand Nikki Haley. You remember her from the debates and stuff last week? She's such a fraud. And remember when Dylan Roof bombed the, uh, uh, shot up the, ple- uh, the, the church? And she, her first course of action was to pull the rebel flag down from South Carolina using Dylan Roof. That empowered Dylan Roof. Basically, you could call it the Dylan Roof Law to disenfranchise the rebel flag from South Carolina. Not that I ever liked the rebel flag. Not that the rebel flag stood for anything great. Maybe it stood for racism. I don't know. I never saw it that way, though. I saw it as a part of history. Just like there's a statue of Robert E. Lee. I was always on the side of the Union. I've always been a Yankee my whole life. And, you know, everybody thinks Ulysses Grant was great. In fact, they even elected him president. Robert E. Lee lost the Civil War, right? But from all I read about Robert E. Lee, he wasn't a bad guy, really. You know, he was a well-read guy. He had good intentions. He was on the wrong side of history on that war. But the point is, is that we're never going to learn from our mistakes or our history or why the history was written out the way it wrote wrote out because not all these evil men were evil. They were caught up in a predicament and taking orders or given orders or given a construct and what they knew then in the way of life and the circumstances of then. And you can't possibly put yourself in their shoes. I'm not going to speak for Robert E. Lee or Ulysses Grant, but what I am going to say, because I don't even know that history that well. But what I will say is I don't agree with tearing these statues down like they were during the Trump years. Again, erasing history is just such a bad thing. But here, you know, the thing is, is that we can't, we, we have to move forward. And, well, we're just going to get to this clip. So Nikki Haley, um, Nikki Haley uh, here was uh, being asked about something that Carrie Lake came up with. And Carrie Lake was saying, I think that all Republicans should be, should pause. And I had said for a long time, I always thought that when Trump took office, that everybody should stand on the Capitol steps with a blue suit and a red tie if they want to paint their, put a wig on, blonde hair, and show the America that they stand behind Trump. And wouldn't that be a fun photo? 
Wouldn't that make a great statement? It would. It would do all those things. It would have been creative. It would have been memorable. It would have been a notch in history. And Trump stood for all the right things, but there was the party was so divided because you had such rhinos. And, and there's no bigger rhino, no bigger globalist. She supports funding Ukraine even now. She's such a moron, this Nikki Haley. And I can't believe she even gets onto the stage. But she's backed by a bunch of globalist money that puts her where she needs to be put for whatever reason. And she's asked a very legitimate question. And of course, she not only says no to pausing when Trump is the heir apparent and being treated the way he's treated. At some point, we need to stand up and unify as a party and say, Trump is our man. Everybody needs to get around Trump. They do it in the Democrat Party. Everybody knows that Robert Kennedy would show, uh, Biden couldn't shine Robert Kennedy's shoes. And everybody knows that they should have debates. But they're already going as far as to say that, like the state of California says, they're not going to put Trump on the ballot in the primaries. They're not going to do that. They're not going to allow Trump's name because he's... So they're already pushing this whole thing about trying to get some value out of all of these indictments and all these court hearings. And they're going to try to use it as leverage to say, we don't think a criminal... Uh, that's in someone who's in criminal courts month after month, week after week, day after day should be allowed to be on a, a, a ballot for the Republican, for any primary. That's their new argument. And they're trying to prevent Trump from winning the Republican primary by hook or by crook. So I suggest if Trump's not on the ballot, you write it in. And that's what you do. But at some point, somebody has to step up and say it. I'm doing it, but my microphone's not as big as it needs. It could be, or it should be, or it needs to be. I wish it was bigger. But we need to get behind this. And people like Nikki Haley don't help. When she's asked, point blank, are the Republicans going to allow the Democrats and Joe Biden's at White House to rig and manipulate our Republican primary and impact and affect the outcome of our primary? Are they going to allow that to happen? Or are they going to hit the pause button and say, until you guys quit on Trump, we are not going to have a primary and we're going to declare Trump the winner? Why not do that? Why not do that? Why is that not being done? I'll tell you why, because the globalists won't let it be done. But let's take a listen to this exchange. It's telling. Let's take a listen. Your take on what uh, one of my guests uh, coming up is, is saying, and that is Carrie Lake. She's calling on all of the candidates to pause the campaign, to get behind Donald Trump because of two applications of the law. I, I uh, suppose you're not considering that. I mean, I appreciate anybody's view on what should happen, but we've got a, a country to save, and I'm not going to stop until we save her. I think that we look at the fact. Well, the way you save her is working on border policy when Trump had the best border policy, 
working on uh, foreign policy when Trump had the best foreign policy, uh, protecting us from wars when you're financing Ukraine and Trump never got us into a Ukraine conflict with Russia. In fact, when a detente with Russia, which would have been the course of action, energy independence, all kinds of things. Everything that Trump was about was good for Americans. Trade with China. So you want to save America, Nikki Haley. Well, then do the right thing and not let the politics of the day ruin the outcome of our primary because it it doesn't suit your interests. Again, let's take a listen. Of two applications of the law. I I, uh, suppose you're not considering that. I mean, I appreciate anybody's view on what should happen, but we've got a a country to save, and I'm not going to stop until we save her. I think she's not the one to save it. Trust me. I think that we look at the fact that we're $32 trillion in debt. You've got crime that's up. You've got a lack of transparency in the classroom. You've got an open border. And we have threats facing us around the world. And I think that we need a new generational leader. We have some serious problems. We need new solutions. We can't have any distractions. And we can't deal with any negativity of the past. We've got to go forward. And I think the American people are ready to go forward. Ambassador, you took on some tough issues during that debate and throughout your campaign campaign. Abortion is something some Republicans don't really want to touch. You say we need to humanize the issue. And acknowledge that the issue is real. You know, I think that I have always said I am unapologetically pro-life, um, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my is in the hands of, of the people where it should be. But when we're talking about a federal law, you know, it's just frustrating that no one was telling the American people the truth, that you have to have a majority of the House, that you have to have 60 Senate votes to pass a federal bill. And so no Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban those state laws. So if we really do want to say the next question, ask Biden or Kamala, if they're for 30 that we are truth, the, the journal wrote in the op-ed piece. I want to talk to you about your expectations for the path to winning. Uh, yes, you're number three, but Donald Trump has an outsized win uh, over the, the field right now based on the polls. What is your path to victory? She has no path. To well, victory. I think that that was I wanted to play another clip and I can't find it. And I don't want to listen to her bloviate about any of her stupid poly, policy issues. There was this other clip I had. Um, let's see if it's here. Kelly will be watching your work. Thanks very much. Nah. I, I, Thanks I, I so me- much. Go to Nikki. That, that was that was my fault on that. I, I messed that up. Um, but I, we did hear the one clip I wanted to hear. I should have broken that up into two parts. I thought they were back-to-back. All right. My apologies on that. Um, All right. So here's another thing that was going on. Uh, We're going to talk about Hunter Biden. Hunter, a lot's going on there. That was the bulk of my my show today. And kind of waited too long, too late in the show to to cover it, but we're going to cover it now. He's got a new $15,800 a month apartment uh, in Malibu. With Secret Service detail. <laughs> I don't know why he's got that. I I guess I do. I mean, he's the president's son, but um, he's paying for it through his art. 
Biden has reportedly moved into a new $15,800 a month Malibu home, forcing his Secret Service detail to find a new crash pad as well uh, right across the street. The pricey neighborhood Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey pressed the Biden administration yesterday on who's paying for it. Watch. The Secret Service is paying $16,000 a month now to stage near Hunter Biden in Malibu. Who's paying for that? That's a question for the Secret Service. Okay. Hunter Biden is reportedly selling art to pay for his $15,800 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that people are not going to be buying this art to gain favor with the president? That is a question for Hunter Biden and his representatives. If somebody is selling the appearance of access that is, to the White House, that, that is, is a question for the White House. No, that is that is your, uh, your I don't know, how you're perceiving that. that. <laughs> Morgan Ortega's your reaction. Well, I, I think she has a very difficult job defending the White House and Hunter Biden, right? You have Hunter's ongoing uh, criminal investigations, the uh, guilty plea that got thrown out. Uh, then you have things like cocaine at the White House, and um, she just has, she has a lot to answer for. Uh, one of the things that I don't understand, I'd love for an explanation for this, why does Hunter Biden, who is an, an adult, have Secret Service protection? Uh, why does he need it? Is, is there a threat? Uh, I, I was under the assumption that the adult children of presidents do not normally get Secret Service. So I'd love to know why he has it in the first place. And 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 and, and he does, but the truth is is who pays for that are right. taxpayers. Isn't that right? Of I mean you know Peter Ducey's asking the right question. She's she's blowing off the question, but we all know who's really paying here. It's it's taxpayers. Absolutely. It's yeah, you John. and me. Yeah. John. Yeah, yeah I don't John. know why Hunter Biden needs this opulent lifestyle. After all, <laughs> is it the Democratic Party, the party of the working man, the blue collar type of individual? This goes to show you the Democratic Party is now the party of the rich, the wealthy, the well to do, the elite. This is horrible. It's another gross example of corruption in the Biden administration. And by the way, I just love to have the opportunity to see one of these paintings that Hunter Biden does to see whether or not they are worth uh, 18000 Well, here's the thing. I've seen the art, and I will tell you that the art actually doesn't look bad. But I don't believe I don't believe Hunter Biden is the artist. I think he's got a ghost artist. That's what I think. See, I remember playing this for you Devin Archer was interviewed by Tucker Carlson, as you know, and he was being asked, so have you ever seen him like talk about art or anything about art? That, did you ever know that he was an artist? And Devin Archer was like, no. He never talked, like strip clubs, not so much the art. I don't know anything about it. I mean, it was that kind of response. And I'm I'm saying to myself, I saw the art and I'm like, that doesn't look bad. Look, I'm not, I'm no art connoisseur, but you know, I I've been to a few galleries in my time, like the you know all over the world, and I got to tell you, the art looks too good for him. I mean, it looks like well, be, if he's able to do the art that I've seen, then he's not bad. But where did he get his training? Nobody who like a guy like Devin Archer should have known that one of his passions is art and would have known, would have seen him with clothing with paint on his clothes. 
You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. And then all of the buyers are anonymous Chinese buyers? Are you kidding me? Joe Biden, according to this headline, Joe Biden used email pseudonyms while VP to loop Hunter in on Ukraine government business. Three aliases, Joe. The Biden mafia setup is crystal clear. James Comer demands NARA provide all documents for VP Biden's secret pseudonym, Robert L. Peters, and related stories. So they used three, uh, three pseudonyms. The Vice President Biden emailed Hunter under the aliases Robin Ware, Robin L. Peters, and J.R.B. Ware. Between 2014 and 2016, keeping his son abreast of schedules, scheduled talks with then-Ukraine President Pornchenko and Kiev Prime Minister Groisman. So, among other communications, the Post first revealed in 2021. This was while Hunter was on the board of Burisma. So, you don't get any more smoking gun than that, Right? National Archives acknowledges 5,400 of these emails. Biden's pseudonym emails faces lawsuit for their release. Now, this group, the Southeastern Legal Foundation, has apparently has them. And it's a matter of time before Comer is going to have them and start interviewing people about these and then mixing, putting them together with bank records. So, Southeastern Legal Foundation files FOIA lawsuit against NARA, the National Archives, seeking Biden's pseudonym emails. Meanwhile, um, you have this story. You have Biden staffers Met special with special counsel Jack Smith's aides before Trump indictment. The White House Counsel's Office met with a top aide to special counsel Jack Smith just before he brought charges against former President Trump for allegedly mishandling classified documents, raising serious concerns about coordinated legal efforts. Jay Bratt was the guy, and... It was Deputy Chief of Staff in Biden's White House. We just got a minute before we have to go, but uh, we're going to go ahead and take this John from Chicago and put him on the line. How are you, John? Hey, Scott. Quickly. Not bad, not bad. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. Um, two quick things. And Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley, uh, when she pulled that, that uh, flag down, that was pre-all the statue nonsense that went on, I yeah. believe. yeah. Set the tone for that, especially doing it. Oh, this was during the Obama state. years that Dylan Roof did that, and and Al Sharpton was going to go down and smooth things over, and that the town in South Carolina called, told him to go pound sand. Don't 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 come down. We don't want another Ferguson or Freddie Gray. Hello. Yeah, sorry. It was very similar to how Pence caved into. Salesforce over a uh, gay rights bill as well. Yeah, uh, when he caved into them when they threatened to leave the state over some you know some pretty reasonable law that actually 
you know, they they really didn't need the cave with a thousand, two thousand jobs. Salesforce would have backed down, but Pence backed down first. Similar, you show they in those key times they show their judgment, there's bad judgment. But there was an article in Zero Hedge over the weekend, I don't know if you saw it, about how Nikki Haley has got money. She was essentially penniless when she left uh, the um, uh, South Carolina gubernatorial uh, position of the governorship. Okay. And then, since then, she's gone on several military defense boards. So Vivek's uh, comment was not a joke. She is making several hundred thousand dollars from one defense firm. Another uh, defense-oriented firm gives her a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's how she's getting money. And her husband, who they say had experience in, previously was in the National Guard, then was an HR guy, then he was in, quote-unquote, high-end clothing, well, somehow he is now a defense contractor. Right. How did that happen? Right. Well, you know, and, if you look up Raytheon and find out the owners, it's still BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street and stuff like that. Well, exactly. So that, that, that's how, but they made a million dollars over the last two years with his defense contract. This yeah. is a grift, a la the Clintons. When are we going to stand up to this and say, we're sick of these people? But it goes, it's not just them. It's both parties. And the last thing I'd say is, you spoke of BlackRock, you spoke of China. They will never let the globalists smack them around. Not China, not Japan, not the Russians. If you notice, whatever they say about their populations, they're going to build internally. They're not bringing an immigrant. Stuff with the well, population. because the globalists need China. More. China knows this. China knows that the globalists need China more than China needs the globalists. It, they need each other. But see, the whole thing about climate is about sending manufacturing to China because that's what it's all about. It's about regulating and banning manufacturing in the West and allocating it to the East, right, to China. Because it's the globalist multinational corporations that are the downline of BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. All of the, 88% of all the major corporations are going to benefit from Chinese slave labor. So China knows all this. You're right. Yeah. And so yeah, China's not afraid of BlackRock the way the West is afraid of BlackRock. Well, if you look at even Japan, they say, oh, you need more po-. No, they're yeah. going to recover. They're going to get through this, and they'll maintain their own population. They don't cave to these globalists. That's right. We're in Neither big trouble. Russians. And if we lose the dollar standard, we're in huge trouble. Exactly. All right. Thanks for calling in today. Thanks, All Scott. Right, take care. Everything. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. You hear the music playing. Um, be sure to check out magapack.org. I want to thank uh, some people. Uh, I'm going to mention name, uh, names tomorrow. Uh, uh, but thank you for your $50 donation, your $100 donations. Um, they are coming in through magapack.org. It makes a big difference. Go to magapack.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. It helps keep this show, Scott Adams Show, commercial free. Your donations help. Send them over to magapack.org. Use red state over at mypillow.com, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye.